Okay, I'm not used to holding a microphone, but I'll make it happen. Have you ever had those thoughts, why can't I stop doing what I intend to do? I've got a bad habit. I've got something I do. Maybe I'm not going to say any foul language anymore. Until I got the kids in the car and I'm on my way home from church. I did, I, you know, I was all right during church, but I did, you know, I really tried hard. What is it that you're having trouble not being able to stop doing? Why can't I stop? You know, a lot of people have the right intentions, but the wrong strategy, right? There are many things. Listen, if, if, if you're sitting there going, I don't struggle with anything, you're a liar. Sorry. You're not living in reality. I don't care how old or young you are. You're struggling with something. Everybody does. And I got news for you. Some things you're going to struggle with your entire life. Some of us are more prone to certain types of behavior, certain temptations than others. It's just the way God made us. It's not an excuse to sin. It's not an excuse to continue down that path. But what I am saying is that there is grace. And I want to talk to you about one of the greatest passages in all of Scripture. And I say that probably every Sunday, but this is, this is great. Listen to this. This is in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What did it just say? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Why can't I stop this silly behavior? Perhaps you're trying to change, but you're going about it the wrong way. Now, I'm going to tell you this. In the course of 30 minutes or so here, I can't give you a complete theology on change or transformation. There's many passages about change and transformation of the mind, right? But there are multiple reasons for all of us why we find it difficult to change. Multiple reasons, very quickly, okay? If you've got a pen, you can write these things down. There are really, I'm going to give you four practical, I'm going to give you four reasons why people struggle with change. And in the center of it, I'm going to give you the, the reason that ties all of them together. Number one, why can't I change my thinking? Why can't I change my behavior? Why am I... Christian, but I'm not acting like a Christian sometimes. What is going on? Why do I have these thoughts? You ever not acted on a sin, but you had the thoughts and you still felt bad? Yeah. There are practical reasons. Number one, there's practical reasons that we, we, just, we struggle with change. We struggle with behavior change, practically speaking. For example, why do I continue to eat the wrong food, as an example? Well, maybe it's because it's the only 
food you have access to. I mean, think about it. If you, any of you try to go on a diet or eat healthy, it is nearly impossible. You can't go to a gas station or a fast food joint and not get something that's not good for you. I mean, it just they, if you want to buy an apple at the at the at the gas station, what's it like a buck? Oh, we got a special three dollars for a banana and, a, and an apple. Well, most people get a soda and a candy bar. So there's practical reasons sometimes we don't change. It's just practically speaking, maybe. Uh, I'm late for work all the time, but maybe it's because I'm staying up late watching Netflix and not setting my alarm like I should. Those are practical reasons why we're just not changing. Another reason is, number two, emotional reasons. There's emotional reasons that we refuse change or we have trouble changing. You know, some of us are carrying emotional wounds. Some of us have baggage. Some of us have unresolved issues that often has led us to coping in unhealthy ways. It's just the reality of life. We have practical reasons that we refuse change. We have emotional reasons, and a lot of those go pretty deep, right? Thirdly, besides practical reasons and emotional reasons, we have relational reasons. You are who you hang out with. So the person who's addicted to drugs may say, I've been in rehab three times. I don't understand why I can't get away from the drug abuse well because your three best friends are druggies I don't understand why I come home from work in such a foul mood well because the people you work around don't have the same kind of fair mindedness that you do and when we're exposed to that all day long relation wise we fall into that and it's hard to change in those types of relationships isn't it so not only do we have practical reasons and emotional reasons and relational reasons for resisting change in our personality or change in our behavior, we also have, number four, physical changes, physical elements. There's a physical element to it. As an example, some of us are just made different. We have genes and genetics and DNA and some of us are just more strong in some areas, and some of us are more vulnerable in other areas. We have neural pathways, and we have some people have chemical imbalances. Right? So, so we have all of these things. We have practical reasons we don't change, emotional, we have relational, we have then there's a physical element, and again, I can't get into all of it, but at the center of all of that is the sermon today. At the center of all that, at the heart of that, it's an issue of spirituality. It's a spiritual challenge. You see, whether you're a Christian or not, we all are seeking to fill a void of some kind. All persons ever created are seeking to fill a void, trying to meet a spiritual need without God. <laughs> Everybody's trying to fill a need. Some Irrelevant to God. A void, a longing, an emptiness that we have. It's a spiritual need. So all of these practical and emotional, relational, physical, all have a spiritual element. We have good intentions, but we're not going at it the right way, the right way to make a change. We're talking about the spiritual element of change this morning. Why can't you change? Listen. And write this down if you want. 
Why can't I change? Because many of you are focusing on the poison of religion, which I started last week. You're focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting the power of grace. You're focusing on the poison of religion and you're focusing on, not focusing on the power of grace. As I mentioned last week, but I mentioned in other sermons, um, someone might say, Scott, are you a religious person? I would, no, I'm not. I don't even like to use the word religion because the connotation in the original text is bad stuff. Religion always has at its core us doing something to please someone or some higher power. That's what religion is. It's a man-made, self-made mistake. Now, technically, I guess we could say Christianity is a religion, right? No, it's about a relationship with Jesus. Matter of fact, let me, uh, I'm going to go to Matthew. You don't need to turn there. Matthew 25, 28, just to prove my point. This is Matthew 20, chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 28. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, For you tithe, mint, and dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining at a na- out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And he goes on, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of a cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. Then he goes on, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're all like a whitewashed tomb which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. You see, a change starts from the inside, not the outside. Something happens when we give our life to Christ. We, 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 through the grace of God, we receive faith. We put our faith and trust in Christ and in Christ alone, right? We've talked about that. Most Christians understand that. He did the work. We don't do the work. Religion is always a works-based system. We're always having to do something to please God. So even when we understand God's love and God's grace, and we'll get to that in a minute, I think you're going to have your eyes open today, and you're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to feel good about God. You're going to stop worrying so much. But as soon as we give our life to Christ, so many of us, we're, we're filled with the grace and we get baptized and we start going to Sunday school and we start going to church and all of a sudden it's like, okay, now what do I need to do to be good? Stop drinking, stop smoking, stop swearing, stop dating around, stop sleeping around, stop doing this, stop doing that. It's all full of stop signs all over the place, right? And we begin to get really frustrated and then people stop coming to church because they've now made it a works-based system. Do you follow what I'm saying? Folks, we need to have a revival. It's not a works-based system, and it never was. You're saved by grace, and you're also sustained by grace. You're saved by grace, and you're sustained by grace. So, I'm going to skip. Hope I can find my note here. If you're saved by grace and sustained by grace, so then what is grace? It's not a girl's name, but it is. It's, it's more than that. 
What is grace then if we're saved by it? In fact, in Titus, it tells us the exact words. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. That's all people. Through God's grace, no matter how bad you've been, how bad you want to be, how bad you're going to be, or anybody around, all people, because of God's grace, have the ability to be saved. So then, what is grace? It comes from the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It's actually charis. It's a Greek word. Here's what it means. The unmerited goodwill and favor of God. The unmerited, unearned, not worked for by you, the unmerited goodwill and favor of God. That's what grace means. Grace is unearned. Grace is God's favor. Grace is God's power. Grace is God's strength. And it's always, always, always a gift. Can't be worked out. Can't be earned. That's why Jesus speaks so harsh to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Three different times I told you, he says, you Sadducees and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus did not like religion. They would walk around and pray and give money so everybody would see him. But what was what's Jesus always doing? Behind the scenes, the woman at the well, the person who gives one penny, the people that don't have any oil, he makes he just he does all these things. What does he do for those who are the braggarts, the ones that go out there and say, hey, look at me? He says, no, 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 no. You're lost. Why? Because to be able to change takes an act of grace and sustaining grace. It starts in the heart. Inward, not outward. Let me explain this to you. If you really want to change a habit, we all have, and we've been there. It's like, I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop saying this. I've got to start thinking this. And it all has to do with your outward appearance of what you see. Think about it, what I just said. Most times, the things that we want to cha- change, other people can see. Right? Even in our daily walks, it's very, very common to hear this phrase. How you doing today? Absolutely nothing wrong with that phrase. We hear it all day long, right? You've heard it your entire life. How are you today? Think about what it just asked. It says, number one, how are you? Focusing on you. And how are you doing today? What are you doing? How are you doing? In other words, how are you getting along? How's your life stacking up? What's everybody think of you? How do you feel about yourself? What's everybody think? What's your reputation and your overall demeanor? That's what, it, what you're really asking, right? How are you today? I had a friend come up to me a couple of years ago, and I never forgot this, and I always thought it was strange, but I never, ever looked at that phrase again the same way. I said, how are you doing? And he looked at me and he says, how is your walk with Christ? Kind of changes its tone, doesn't it? How is your walk with Christ? Huh. 
Now I have to be thinking about what he did and where I fit and what he's doing. You see, the grace that saved me is also sustaining me. So if you want to make a change, the power is in the Spirit, not in your ability. And I've said this in many of my sermons already. When you get born again, when you get saved through God's grace and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, stop trying so hard to impress the rest of the people that you're around. The motivation comes from the fact that God loves you, God's amazing grace, unmerited love, unmerited, you did nothing to earn it, it is a gift and it is his favor because he's given it to you and anybody who will receive his son, anybody, and out of that, out of that, then I decide, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna give up X, Y, Z, you fill in the blank, because I want to look better, I want to be more Christian, I'm actually, I'm going to give it up because it honors God. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of grace inside me. I want you to understand that, folks, there's a lot of you sitting here who's going to be real surprised when you get to heaven and realize that there's some other people in heaven that were just not very religious people. I know some stories. You know some stories. God is bigger than you and me. And yes, the road is narrow and the gate is narrow that leads to righteousness, but he says, grace is the way. I'm giving you the grace to have the faith in my son Jesus. Turn from your sins, turn to him. Anybody can do this at any point in time. Now, some people have done it and never come back to church and we go, well, they're not saved. Listen, you're missing something. You're missing something. You're missing something. I'm not suggesting you don't come to church. I'm not saying that they are or they aren't saved. I'm just saying that it's a matter of the heart and what takes place on the inside. There's a lot of people that don't go to church. There's a lot of people that think differently than you do. They worship differently than you do, but they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. They just haven't allowed grace to sustain them, but grace saved them. God loves you so much, he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. So don't think that because the guy down the street's mowing his yard on a Sunday morning is going to hell. Careful with that. Careful, careful, careful. They may just not, they don't have the opportunity to hear some of the things that are being said here in the pulpit or read, read or online. God is bigger than us. And he'll say and take to heaven whoever he wants. And it's a matter of the heart. If you spend your entire life trying to look Christian, you're a whitewashed tomb and you're nothing but dead on the inside is what Jesus said. He says, your cups are beautiful on the outside, but the inside is filthy, and I ain't drinking out of it. He says, you need to take care of the inside first. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Religion is our attempt to earn God's approval by following a set of rules. Essentially, this is what it is. Essentially, it's our attempt. Religion is our attempt to please God Follow me. Without God. Religion is our man's attempt, woman's attempt to please God without God. How can the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all the leaders in the New and the Old Testament, how can they be in the, well, the New Testament, be in the very presence of Jesus and not get this? He says it's about a relationship. 
Grace. It's unearned. It's God's favor. It's God's power. It's God's strength. And it's always a gift. It's not about your strength, but it's about God's spirit. It's not about your strength, but it's about God's spirit. You're not saved by grit. You're saved by grace. Now, now, that being said, those of us who love God are trying to follow him. We do get frustrated, don't we? We get frustrated with ourselves, and that's a good thing. I, I Honestly, I can't say anything out of context and not go, sorry, Lord. At least I recognize it, Right? People who are living in sin don't even know they're living in sin. That's the problem. They're, they're blind. Why would we expect people who don't know God, don't have a relationship with him, haven't received his grace, to act and behave and be nice and kind and righteous? To uh, No, they're not going to be. It's a war. It's hard enough with other Christians sometimes just to get along. Because a lot of Christians don't understand this concept of grace. It's not by works. It's not a works-based system. It's salvation. It's by grace and grace alone and faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. So how is your walk with God today? How is your walk with God today? Lastly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. This is where Paul He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that he had received. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. That's from God. He says, three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient For you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, it's when you're struggling, when you're weak, when you're the most vulnerable that God's grace sustains you. Even in the smallest, minorest of ways. I don't know that's the word, minorest. In the smallest of ways, in insignificant ways. Listen, when you gave your life to Christ, believe it or not, you have indeed changed. You have been changed from the inside, and that has not changed. And that same grace that saved you is the same grace that is sustaining you. It's the one that convicts you. It's the one that reminds you. It's the one that makes you desire to worship him, desire to study his word, desire to say and do the right thing. So as an example, maybe you, and I'm only using this because it works, okay? You want to lose weight. Diets are tough. That's like the biggest billion dollar industry out there. There's diet pills. The ones that are really funny are just, you know, you don't even have to exercise to lose weight. I'm all I'm all in for that one, right? Yeah. 
when you begin to want to lose weight for your spouse, for your friend, or even for your health, but it's all about how you look or what the doctor says, it becomes really a real pain. You're going to, for a while, do fine. Every year at New Year's, we hear resolutions. People are going to lose weight and start working out that last a month. In the meantime, all the workout gyms, they get their year's membership and their deposits for 200 bucks or whatever it is, and they make their money, and they, they do it every year. There's a reason. It's marketed that way because they know in two months you're going to stop doing it. So you're going to be on this weight loss program, and as long as you are using your effort, you're looking at it from the outside, you're going to fail. Because I don't know about you, I want to... I want to I want to work out one day for one hour and lose 100 pounds. That's just the way I think. And after I work out for one hour for one day and I don't lose, I'm like, I'm not doing it. No. Rather, what we need to do is say, God, this is your holy temple. This is your place. You've told me I'm righteous in your eyes and this is now my holy temple. Now my desire is to eat right because I love you. It's my desire to stop smoking because I love you. It's my desire to stop cussing because I love you. It's my desire to stop drinking because I love you. It's my desire, whatever, you fill in the blank, my desire is to not have the lustful thoughts because I, I love you. Not because I'm concerned about what everybody else thinks, but I'm concerned with the fact that your grace saved me, now your grace is sustaining me. And it's during those times when it's really, really hard, pray for God's grace. He will give you all the grace that you would need. And it's not going to be easy. Paul says, I asked three times. I want this thing taken away from me. He wasn't having fun, folks. He didn't like it. I don't know. Maybe it was a weight problem. I don't know. Maybe it was an eye problem. Maybe it was something. I don't know. God said, my grace is sufficient because where you're weak, I am strong. And it doesn't work the other way. Let me tell you why, and I'll wrap it up. If you're strong and come through it, then who are you going to give credit to? Me. Yourself. But when you're weak, and you find your face, you find your odds, and they're not in your favor. And it works out for you, you go, oh, wow. That was God. It's a lot easier to find God in our weakness because that's when he manifests himself in his greatness and in his power, and he becomes strong in your life. When the odds are down, turn to him. Remember, Nobody is outside of God's grace. Nobody. Nobody. Pray for all the people on the list we saw today. Pray for people that, that you pass them on the street. Pray for people, your pastors. Pray for your neighbors. Just as you feel compelled to pray, you pray for them and you don't stop praying until God moves. I don't feel like praying today. Well, you know what? It's because you're not thinking about it internally. You're thinking about it externally. What I got to do? I'm tired. No. What pleases God? I'm talking to him. One of the big issues right now in getting older is loneliness. People like to talk to people. People like to spend time with people. So does Jesus. And every day he's sitting in the same room waiting for you to come visit him. And he's there every day. Every day. When's the last time you spent some time with him? Because the more time you spend with him, the more of his grace you begin to absorb and live out. God loves you, and so do I. Thanks for being with us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word today out of Titus and Matthew and Corinthians. Lord, thank you for your work. Because if it were up to our work, now it's not going to be good enough. Lord, thank you for your unwarranted love, the unwarranted gift.
the favor that you've given us? I mean, how much do you love us, Lord, that you would give your one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? The fact that you have given us your grace to save us, your grace also sustained us. So, Lord, I pray here today that with this long message, this lengthy message, maybe even difficult, that you clear in the minds and the hearts of those here today what we mean and what you mean by grace. So in Jesus' name we pray and the congregation says, Amen. Amen.